Brightside Home Theater Podcast, the Home Theater Podcast. It's all about the experiences, the sights, the sounds, the scenes. That's right. Uh, and this is this is uh, January's Takeover Tuesday. Listener comments from January, so we're going all the way back to the beginning of the year. It's still the beginning of the year, but we're not saying Happy New Year anymore. So, hope everybody had a great first month of the year, uh, sitting down here at the very last possible minute so I can uh, get to all of these. Uh, I had a pretty interesting month, quiet month, uh, but a very interesting month nonetheless. So, uh, I got some comments coming up, uh, maybe a rant or two, see if, see where these, uh, comments take us this month. So, uh, again, remembering that everything's about the experiences. So hopefully, uh, I can entertain you for the next however long I'm sitting here. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What do we got first this month? Uh, first up this month, we have an email, uh, from Nathan. And, uh, Nathan says, on a recent Takeover Tuesday featuring Giles, you discussed what a Kaleidoscape competitor might look like. Lots of good ideas, including a subscription model for the app and a service in using commodity uh, hardware for storage. But there is one that I'd like to see most, full compatibility with movies anywhere. That was if the company goes under, at least I still own and can access my movies on movies anywhere. Um, <clears throat> that's a good idea, and I do think that they had that at one point you could access your Kaleidoscape system. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I thought that they did have a system. They, they, it, what, maybe it wasn't movies anywhere. I think it was another one of the, uh, those similar apps and you could access your movies elsewhere. Um, and then they, they did away with it. And, and here, here's what my opinion on. I think it's a good idea and it would be great for, for people like us, but, it, or it's, I'm having a hard time with it because I do think it's a good idea and there are times that I would access it, okay? But here's the thing, now looking at it from their perspective and as a, like a business perspective. So I have my entire collection, not my entire collection, but anything that I can get on Kaleidoscape, I will get on Kaleidoscape first, uh, if I really, really like the movie, I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy the physical release too to, to support that. Um, if it's not available on Kaleidoscape, of course, I'll buy the physical release anyways. And a lot of times with the physical release, you do get that digital copy. Um, which I think they're starting to do away with that too. So that that way you have to go and buy the digital copy, copy if you want to have it on movies anywhere or something like that. But anyways, let's stick with the whole Kaleidoscape system here. Um, now if I, if I, if I bought my movie on Kaleidoscape and say, uh, like I'm, I am literally in talks right now with my wife and me looking at eBay for a Strato S system. Okay. So the Strato S system is like you can get a six terabyte or a 12 terabyte 
Strato S system, and it's an all-in-one player and hard drive all together. So this this is now uh, defunct, obsolete. Um, they stopped doing, but they're available on on eBay for anywhere from two thousand dollars to four thousand dollars, and maybe you know thereabouts, right? But it's a great entry system into Kaleidoscape at the time. Um, and even now it's a great entryway, like it gets you into the ecosystem. And then if you get the six terabyte, you, you know, you're going to want more space because that's only going to hold probably a hundred movies at best. A 12 terabyte I know holds between like 160 and 180 at best. Uh, cause I have a 12 terabyte Terra, but anyways, so the Strato S system, um, it doesn't download as fast, but I already have a Terra system. Reason I'm saying all this is because there's a lot of movies like if I want to watch the extras or watch running commentary, you know, the audio commentary or something on some of these movies, I don't necessarily need to do that in my theater. It'd be nice to be able to do it in my living room or in my bedroom or something like that. And I can sit there and watch the, the extras, right? Well, if I have movies anywhere, I could just do that. Why would I get, I don't need to go buy a Strato S. Okay. Now that would be great for me if they, if Kaleidoscape made all these movies available on movies anywhere. And now I can watch, Oh, Oh, hon, you want to watch this comedy that we own on Kaleidoscape? Let me pull it up on movies anywhere. I'll play it through my phone onto my Apple TV in my living room. In, do, do you see what, what's happening here to Kaleidoscape? They're not selling another strato or then, which to be fair, I can hear the people on the, uh, on the other side of this microphone right now yelling at me, meaning you, the listener saying, well, they're not getting any money from the strato S anyways on, you know, on eBay because that's already sold. No, but it does sell the ecosystem. Okay. So if I could afford it, I wouldn't get a strato S. I would get another strato C somewhere else in my house. Okay. A Strato C, I could add anywhere else in my house, but a Strato C is like three grand, four grand. I, I forget what they are. They go for now. I think it's 3,500 bucks. Um, but I add that to my house, but there's no additional hard drive there. It's just a Strato C. It's a player. So I could add that to my living room at the cost of $3,500. But if I had the money, I would just do that. But if I had plenty of money, I'd also have a, a larger hard drive. So I wouldn't, it, I'm looking at a Strato S because I could, if I could find one on eBay for $1,500 or $2,000, I'll grab one, be able to put it into my living room. And now I've just grabbed that additional storage space as well. And now that storage space, if it has six terabytes, I could put six terabytes of movies on there. All my rock solid, never to be deleted, my, you know, all the Star Wars or Marvels or whatever I want to put on there. They'll never be deleted. They're on that. And anywhere in the house through the Strato S system, I'd be able to access that. Okay. But I need extra, sp I'm also in the market for extra space because I'm constantly deleting and undeleting movies. The overall point is, why would, ask yourself, why would Kaleidoscape offer something like Movies Anywhere, which is only going to make the the rest of their quote-unquote systems less appealing price-wise? Because if you can already get your movies anywhere, then you just buy a single Kaleidoscape system for your house, and now you would, that's it. Now you can get it anywhere else in the house through movies anywhere. So that's one purpose. 
The other purpose, and I think most of the people listening right now would agree with this, if I've spent the money on a kaleidoscape, if I've spent the money on a home theater system, a proper home theater system, right? And or let's let's back it up, start over. If I've spent the money to build a home theater, whether it's a living room theater, or a dedicated theater, or whatever, but I have what I would consider a proper home theater system. What's the next step? What if I always wanted? You go to Kaleidoscape. Okay, I'm going to get the Kaleidoscape system. I'm going to add that into my proper home theater setup for where I w- love to watch movies for the sight, sounds, and scenes, right? Well, now I got that Kaleidoscape system and this is it. And I'm, I'm going to buy all, I got to rebuy all my movies, but I'm going to start out and only buy the movies that I really want to watch in my home theater system, right? Why do I want to watch these any other place? Movies Anywhere is, to me, I've never accessed it. I've never used it. I use iTunes and I've, like, back when I used to get them, I'd buy them because they would come out there first. Like, I have Captain America for uh, Winter Soldier. It dropped on iTunes before it dropped anywhere else, so I bought it there right away so that I could have it. Um but other than that, if I want to watch any of these like action movies, any of these movies I want to see in a theater, I'm not watching them on my phone. I'm not watching them on my iPad. I don't really care about movies anywhere for a proper movie experience. So again, if Kaleidoscape is marketing themselves as the ultimate movie experience, or I forget how they actually say it, but it's not about traveling around. It's about getting the best possible experience without any compromises. And yeah, you can do it anywhere, but you have to keep buying, you have to buy additional hardware for your yacht, your cabin, your wherever, your remote location that doesn't have Wi-Fi, whatever it is. But this movies anywhere thing, it's like, to me, it's like, I mean, I'd like to have it because yeah, if I'm on the road or I'm flying someplace or I'm on traveling and I want to pull up a movie, it would make it a little bit more convenient. But I can also do that anyways. I can just go on to iTunes and download it to my laptop or something or whatever I want to do. Um, I just don't see it as a good business sense from the company trying to market themselves, not even trying. I think they're successfully marketing themselves as the, you know, the ultimate home theater experience or player or whatever. Um so I, I, I mean, I, I like it. I get the idea, but I just think it's, it, it's not in their market. Their market is exactly a controlled environment so that you're not get, you're, you're not, um, you're not getting a bad experience there. It's taking things out of the loop, right? One of the issues with streaming is you could have like, bandwidth issues at any given time. It could be weather related. It could be the neighborhoods all online at the same time. You're streaming issues. That's a, it's a, it's a negative link in the chain is streaming. Kaleidoscape takes that out just like a a physical disc takes that out. You put that disc in, it's only talking. The disc goes directly from that player to your display or to your system. There's no additional, there's no additional link in that chain right there. So Kaleidoscape is offering the ultimate movie platform where it's like, okay, just like the physical, now we're just, we're taking out the disc part of it and we're just giving you a hard drive and everything's instant access. This movies anywhere is 
for all intents and purposes at that point, kind of gimmicky for, for the Kaleidoscape. So, um, hope that, uh, answers the question. Um, I liked, I always liked it. Like, even if I think of stuff, I'll be like, why wouldn't the other people want to do this? Or why didn't they do this? Or what could be the negative from their perspective? I mean, I see the positive for our side. What's the positive in their side? If it, you know, so like now let's look at collide, look at it from Kaleidoscape's perspective on the positive. Okay. They're sitting, imagine they're sitting around a board meeting and somebody suggests this and be like, okay, what are the positives to that? Um, it'd be more attractive. So are there a lot of people on the fence to spend upwards of, you know, $8,000 to get an entry level system at, you know, from Kaleidoscape? And is it going to be movies anywhere that pushes them over the edge to plunk down their $8,000 or whatever it is? Or is it like, was that the last piece to get them there? Like, oh my God. It's like, um, I think, I, I will tell you, I think, because of the displays that we saw at CES this month, I think the next thing for Kaleidoscape would probably be Dolby Vision. That would nudge a lot more people over to Kaleidoscape because typically in the past, it's been most people with Kaleidoscapes of projector systems. Dolby Vision isn't really necessary. Um, it's still not really necessary. If you have a really large display and it's really, it's a very, very good display, a high-end display, most of those people turn off a Dolby Vision anyways because the processor of that display is better than what Dolby Vision is going to provide. Um, Dolby Vision is actually a lower end. It's to tone map it for the lower end displays so that that display can maybe come close to getting exactly what you wanted to see. It's still not going to be as close. So it's or not going to be as good as a higher end display Meaning, you know, and I'm talking not just a projector, I'm talking, or not a projector, I'm talking a standard, like an OLED or something. Um, so, but yes, adding Dolby Vision, I think would get a lot of people to go, oh, they have Dolby Vision now. Okay. So that would be a selling point. Movies anywhere, I don't think would all of a sudden turn a lot of people like, all right, now I'll give up my $8,000. Now that I can get it on movies anywhere, it's like, Okay. I, I, so it's, you got to look at the pros and the cons of those two things. So, all right. It's going to be a long day if I keep talking this much for every comment that I have. All right. I got a, uh, another email, next email from, uh, Jonathan. Uh, he sent, uh, a link to an article on, uh, BBC, uh, it just says BBC. Let me see. What, what was the BBC? What? culture article. So it's a culture article. Oppenheimer in the resurgence of Blu-ray and DVDs. How to stop your films and music from disappearing. Uh, the article is uh, by Claire Thorpe. I'll put the, if I, if you're hearing this and you don't see the link in the show notes, uh, shoot me an email. It means I forgot to add it to the show notes, but I'll try to remember to add this to the show notes. Um, but anyways, so the link goes on or the, yeah, the article goes on saying how it's the universe, the, the, Basically, the universal perspective right now is that, you know, we need to buy physical media because look at what can happen with streaming and they can get rid of the movies and they can change them and, and blah, 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 blah. And um, 
There's some quotes in here. Um, let's see, Nolan saying, uh, this is a quote from Nolan, uh, with an interview with the Washington Post. This is in this article. It says, quote, there is a danger these days that if things only exist in the streaming version, they do get taken down. They come and go, as do broadcast versions of films. So my films will play on HBO or whatever. They'll come and go, but the home video version is the thing that can always be there. So people can always access it. Uh, another quote from James Cameron was, quote, uh, he told Varieties, uh, quote, the streamers are denying us any access whatsoever to certain films. And I think people are responding with their natural reaction, which is, quote, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to watch it anytime I want, end quote, end quote. <laughs> um, I'll have a comment on that in a second. Uh, Guillermo del Toro posted on, uh, on X, quote, if you own a great 4K HD, Blu-ray, DVD, et cetera, et cetera, of a film or films you love, you are the custodian of those films for generations to come, end quote. His tweet prompted people to reply, sharing evidence of their vast DVD collections. And, and then it goes on to say DVDs had their heyday in the early 2000s. Finding Nemo was released in 2003 and shifted 38 million copies, but sales have been on a steady decline since the mid 2000s, according to CNBC. Uh, it, it goes on to say a whole bunch of other stuff. And now here, here's my opinion. Read this article uh, and you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about if you want to read the whole article. But here's a couple of things that I have that I'm seeing and by reading the landscape. Okay. Um, all of these people are telling you to buy physical media. All of a sudden, like, where was this before? Um, Nolan has come out in the past couple of years saying, you know, this is the best possible way, blah, blah, blah. I love Nolan. I love Cameron. I love Del Toro. I love all of these people. I love these movies. I love physical media, but it's a sales pitch. It is a flat out sales pitch. And to be honest with you, I personally think, I've said it on the show, I think physical, they all know physical media is going away. And this is one last big push to get you to buy it. Um, let's, let's look at like even Nolan just coming out and saying, buy these, get these, whatever. Okay. That's, that's nice. But when are any of his movies ever disappeared from anywhere? And if they disappear from HBO, they show up on Netflix. They have contracts with different streamers. You're, it, any movie or show or anything with high, of, of higher quality, it's always available somewhere. Even that thing that just happened on with the PS5s or the PS4s and you people bought all those sh discovery shows, they didn't go away. They took them from you. If you bought them, now you don't have them anymore on that one device, but they still exist. And they still, now you just, but it's buyer beware. You just bought the right to their server. But guess what? Their server doesn't have access to it anymore. And that's it all in the legal speak. And that's the stuff we were looking at when I looked at um, the Bravia system right now that Sony has, Bravia system. So what if that system goes down? Right. So if you buy a Blu-ray, yes, you own that forever. James Cameron, let's look at his quote. The streamers are denying us any access whatsoever to certain films. That's 
pretty rich coming from James Cameron, who true lies, the abyss and all of these, they weren't even available to us. And it, it like the abyss was available on DVD way back in the day, but we didn't get a 4k. We didn't get a, a Blu-ray of it. We didn't, he was denying us for the longest time. That's why he knows what they're doing. They're, it's called creating a demand. It's like James Cameron, you open your quote with denying us access whatsoever to the films. That's what he does. It's like, we're just getting them. You guys, most people don't even have them yet in the, in the physical release. They're coming in March, right? I have it already on my kaleidoscape, but it's so for James Cameron to say that and be like, uh, hello, <laughs> like you're doing it. You're one of them the worst people at it. Uh, Guillermo uh, del Toro talking about sharing evidence of their vast DV or people's, his tweet, you are the custodian of those films for generations to come. His tweet prompted people to reply, sharing people to reply, sharing evidence of their vast DVD collections. And, and by the way, in his quote, he stated, he stated he goes, if you own a great 4K HD, Blu-ray, or DVD, et cetera, et cetera, of a film. Okay, do you see? And now it's like, then they go on to tell you how after Finding Nemo released in 2003 and sold 38 million copies, but sales have been on a steady decline since then. Uh, yeah, because everybody bought it already. <laughs> how many more people are going to buy that's the thing is we still see dvds are outselling blu-rays and 4ks because the majority of the population doesn't even see the difference in the value between dvd blu-ray and 4k they're not even making the jump to to blu-ray which is hd which we all know if you're listening to us right now you know there's a huge difference in quality right there most people don't even see that they don't care so they already own it. They know they own it. What do I need to buy more for? We keep buying the, the better product. We keep pushing and we're like, I, I had VHS. I had Laserdisc. I had, and you guys all know it. I've been all the way up through, right? And I own all the copies. So yeah, I'm the custodian of all my Laserdiscs. I'm the custodian of all my DVDs. I'm the custodian of all my Blu-rays and my 4Ks, and now my kaleidoscapes. <laughs> so so all of these things come into play, and it's like, yeah, you're the custodian of them, but I have to keep upgrading. With streaming, you don't. They just keep upgrading. Like iTunes, it's for free if you bought that. If you just keep getting a better stream and keeps getting better and better on streaming, you're just going to keep getting the better quality. Most people don't care about it. I think there's a huge push right now to get people back into, get us to buy these Blu-rays or we already are. They're trying to get other people to do it. And they're, they're, they're pointing at little things of, and I say little things like that PS, that Sony PS4, PS5 incident where everything got taken down. That happens all the time. Movies get taken down. It's like, did, was there a big push back in the eighties and nineties for, for you not to, to rent movies instead? Don't go to your blockbuster. Go buy the movie. Look, we just lowered them to 1999. No need to rent it. Just go buy it. Then you own it. Why? We still rented. There's nothing wrong with streaming. 
and get and and I say it all the time, not all the time, but recently since this has come up, streaming's only getting better, and Blu-rays and DVDs and physical media is going to go away because the only way we can get better now is to get out of physical media because the thing holding back quality is the physical media. It's not big enough to hold. It's barely holding enough information now on a disc, even at a hundred gigabyte disc. They're barely able to fit these movies on there. So what that's going to hold us back. Either you're going to have to come up with a bigger disc and also not finicky because at a hundred gigabytes, the disc is finicky with certain play with a majority of players is the higher end players are better at reading three layers than, than the lower end players. So what we're going to put all the money and research into that when you can just stream it. And why don't we put the money and research into streaming quality getting better? There's one other thing inhibiting us too. Us, our perception. So this isn't like the back in the days of Laserdisc where there, you know, we can get better quality DVD. DVD wasn't even an upgrade over Laserdisc. It was a sideward step. But going to Blu-ray was an upgrade. You went to HD. Now we're at 4K. And depending on anything under like 170 inches, you're past the point of perception. You can't, if you go to 8K, you can't see the difference. HDR, I don't know. Can you get better HDR? What are they going to do? That's, you know, that could be something in the future. But then are you, are you going to come out with a new disc for that with a higher upgrade, a HDR plus or whatever they want to call it or HDRR? I don't know. The, the point is we are at the point of, we're past the point of perception. So how much better could it really get for us to be able to have to release another physical disc? And if you do, is it big enough? Is it going to fit on the disc? Is streaming got better? Has streaming got so much better that it's competing with physical discs? And why is that a problem? If it's a popular movie, then we'll have it. And uh, let me go back to James Cameron. Don't tell me that, well, look at, they could take it away from us, which we've been waiting forever for aliens in 4k. We've been waiting forever for true lies in the abyss. So like these movies, it, they're actually out on streaming now before they're out on physical, but they're promoting physical, get it so that you don't lose it. But if I had, it's out on physical, it's out on streaming right now. Now, if streaming is just, if it gets to the point, which I think it will in probably the next five years, if it gets to the point that it's equal to or surpasses physical discs, well, then what, why would you stay with physical? Why? You would, I, I personally, I wouldn't. I've always chased the upgrade. Now, they're trying to make it seem like streaming is a negative thing just in itself. And it's not, it's not at all. It's you know, it, the quality is less because of the compression, but they're working on that every day. So, and, and you think five years ago, what the quality of streaming was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you couldn't do anything like you can do now. So if all of a sudden, and I've done this, my comparisons on, with the Kaleidoscape, you look at a movie like Endgame that's a hundred and something gigabyte, a hundred and three gigabytes, 
but they crammed, Disney crammed it on a 66 gigabyte disc. There is a quality upgrade there. There is a, a, an uptick in, in picture and in sound. It is ever, ever so slight, but it's there. And it's like, you could barely, you go back and forth, you do your A-B test and you got to be quick because it's a, but it's ever so slight going between the Blu-ray and then the, or the 4K Blu-ray and then Kaleidoscape. There is an uptick there. There's a slight in the picture. Even my wife is like, I don't know, maybe it's like, it's like, it just seems a little bit less sharp or like there's a filter over the screen when you look at the, at the 4K Blu-ray version. But that one little uptick, I'm chasing that my whole life. If all of a sudden streaming without any, or they can eliminate the compression issues and they can eliminate all of that and now give you that 103 gigabyte feed, aren't you going to take that over your 66 gigabyte disc? Of course you are. Of course you are. And you're going to sit home and do everything I'm doing right now. (laughs) So if, if physical media goes away, who cares? Because it means something better came along and replaced it. I'm tired of listening to people complain that it might go away. Nothing goes away without being replaced. They don't, you know, they, they didn't replace, they didn't, Laserdisc went away, but it got replaced. And it's, and that was the, the cat's meow from the eighties into the nineties. And now all of a sudden you're like, well, it's a giant, you know, potholder or something. I don't know what you want to do with it, but they're, they're junk to look at and people, well, you put the video processes in. No, 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 no. Why would you waste all that money? Um, so yeah, uh, links in the show notes. <laughs> it is going to be a long show. Hopefully they don't all go this way, but Jonathan, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, link, uh, give me the opportunity to, uh, rant a little bit more on that. Um, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, coming up here. Oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Andrea. Uh, Andrea was a Patreon supporter. I say was because Andrea wrote me a note, uh, sent me a message, says, hi, DJ. I'm sorry to cancel my Patreon, Patreon, my patron after a year. I want to say thank you. You thank you to have introduced me to the world of home theater in the bright side way, just with the positive stuff. I hope the best for you and your family. I'll keep listening every once in a while. Ciao. Uh, thanks, Andrea. Thanks for being a patron for as long as for a year. I really appreciate that. Uh, as I say to everybody that's a patron or is thinking about it, it's not necessary, but it is greatly appreciated. Um, and thanks for dropping, you know, dropping me a note to let me know. Um, I know there are some, I mean, people have dropped in and out various reasons and, and, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate the support, Andrea. And I do, uh, or Andrea, uh, I'm not sure how, how to say that, but I do try to keep things positive. And even on my last rant or any rant, it's because I don't like that people are being negative about streaming. So I'm trying to bring the positive of streaming. Don't always read into it. It's like it, it, it that's like when I rant, it's because uh, people are getting negative on something and I don't like that. Um, but thanks, Andrea. I really appreciate that. Appreciate all the support and support for everybody from everybody, whether it's monetary, uh, just the, you know, the emails to say thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, anything like that. It's like, we really appreciate it because we all do me, John, Steve. Um, it's it, again, 
when I, when you sit down to do something like this, like John and I did by ourselves, we're like, eh, this is fun. And now we bring Steve into the mix, meaning as the podcasters, Steve knows too. It's like, we just love hanging out with each other every week. We record it. And the fact that you guys keep replying and responding and supporting us in whether it's Patreon, box of popcorn, or just thank yous and stuff like that. It's, it's really, really does mean a lot. Um, it keeps it going because, uh, when you, especially when you've been doing, if anybody knows what it's like to podcast, like, uh, it, it gets, mon, you know, monotonous. And if, if we didn't have the feedback, it's a lot easier to just to go, guys, I'm really busy this week. Um, nobody's listening anyway, so let's wait till next week. And there really is, ask John and Steve uh, how I feel. There really is a, um, a responsibility to you to be able to put out content every week, keep it fun, keep it entertaining, keep it positive and be able to, you know, and just keep doing that. And like when I took Christmas off, I had to take that second week. It killed me, but it was, but then at the same time, I did realize like, wow, I'm got a lot of other stuff done. My life was simpler. And I did say to John and Steve, I'm like, damn, I'm like, if it wasn't for the listeners and the comments that we get, I might not come back because it, I have another life going on and mine, as you guys well know, is very, very busy and it would be easy to walk away if I didn't hear from people and it wasn't, and I didn't feel a responsibility to you. And I mean, and that responsibility is a demand, but I enjoy it and I, I want, I want to do it. And like I said, at that Christmas break coming back, this is my first opportunity to talk about this, but coming back, it was, it is hard. It, it, you know, when you've got so much else going on and you get, and you get all very productive elsewhere in life. Also, <laughs> you're like, Oh yeah. Wow. I guess this is kind of a, it t- takes up some time, but, uh, but we, uh, we love it. We really enjoy it. And it, like I said, Andrea's mentioning it here. He's, I, I love that he's, that he supported us for a year. Uh, I really appreciate that he, he gets, sends a, a quote unquote goodbye <laughs> message, but he's going to be listening every once in a while. So, um, but yeah, so thank you to everybody, everybody supporting the show in any, any possible way. Um, you know, obviously if you're a patron, then, it, you know, really, really appreciate it. And, um, we could use more, believe me, we could use more. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. Do I want to go on that rant? All right. Let's go on that rant. And, um, I'll do that. And it, and this is one of the things. And now, and when I say this is a positive, okay. So this is a positive and this is a plea to yes. And John knows this one. John and I have been talking about this one for a long time and it's really difficult for me to ask for money and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, here's the thing. I've talked with a lot of other, uh, uh, content creators, podcasters, right? Um, and I, this is my plan and what I want and always want is I just want to be supported by the listener. This is a podcast. It's all positive. It's about the experiences. Um, and it's supported by the listeners. Uh, I don't want to be supported by the manufacturers by, you know, because to me, and I see it in the forums, I see it. People email me questions, um, about, you know, conflicts of interest and stuff. 
So I've always just wanted, like, I have what I have in my theater because that's what I wanted in my theater. I don't, I don't want to do demos. I don't want to do other things. I wanted to do that. Like, I want to do that speaker thing that I was going to do. And, but I wanted SVS was one that I wanted to do. And that's just what I happened to have. And my speakers crapped out. So I had to go to it and then life got in the way. So I couldn't do the other thing. And I, I don't, I don't, if imagine if I told those other speaker companies I was going to do that. Now I'm, that's more of a burden. What is your relationship with me? If you think that those companies, like, all right, we'll pay you to talk about my speakers. There are people that do that. Um, Giles does it, Youth Man. I will n- mention their names because I've literally spoken to them and in positive light, I appreciate and I admire what they do. It's not something that I can do. Um, just because I just, I just can't, I don't have that either time or mindset. They've both mentioned to me how to do it and I, I get it and it's, I see exactly what they're doing and Shane Lee too. Shane's another one. And we talked about it here on the show during the 24 hour podcast with all of them. That's why I don't mind mentioning them. I'm not talking out of, you know, anything confidential or anything like that. We've all talked about it on the show. But I've also talked with other people not on the show and I've had people mention to me that you, they, they don't listen. They don't look at their audience the same way as I do. Let me put it that way. They don't care. They know the money will be there from the manufacturers, but they can't trust the money from the people. So I'm, but I, I don't care. I'm not in this for the money, but if everybody listening with the numbers that I see, if everybody listening became a patron for a dollar, I'd make three times the money that I make now with my other job. (laughs) That's if everybody just gave me a dollar, you know, it's those old little things. And it's like, and I know it's like, I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's a big ask. But that's, that's the idea. And it's like, but it's a lot simpler just to take the money from the manufacturers because, you know, if you just do it and do it and you get the numbers and, and, and I have numbers, but I, because people are reaching out to me, but I don't, I, I would rather just talk to you guys and that's it. Just talk home theater, talk about what we want to talk about. You ask me the questions. I can answer anything honestly because I've, Got, I mean, there's nothing there. No manufacturer is going to get mad at me. Um, no manufacturer is going to say, well, why did he say that? Because and if they do, they do. What are they going to do to me? I'm not paid by them. So it, it, I'm not worried about the next paycheck from them. I'm only worried about having fun and talking to you guys. And it's like, and if, and then if you don't like me, well, then this wasn't the podcast for you. You know, it's like listening to paint dry and Dolby Atmos <laughs> and that's fine. Right. So I, I don't, I, that's, that's why my quote unquote business model for this, if I was to say I had one, it's everything's from you guys. If, if all of a sudden we've, we got this influx and everybody starts giving a dollar and I could quit my job and I do that, I, I wouldn't even do that. I would 
still do my job, but far, far less because the job I have, I can, I can work as many days a week. Right now I'm responsible six days a week. The weather's good six days. I work six days. The only day I take off is Sunday. But at the same time, it's like if all of a sudden this starts to go and I start getting more Patreon support or more support, whether it's a, you know, box of monthly box of popcorn or whatever you do. But if the numbers came in, I'd be like, I just start knocking days off. I have to work there and I do this more and then add in a lot of the things that I would love to do, like one traveling, you know, home visits, blah, blah, blah. But that would, and if I, if we ever did those, that would be from you guys. And that's it. It's like, it'd be paid for by you guys. So I'm not blaming you if we don't get to do it because I, if I can get there myself, I'll do that too. But at the same time, it's like, I just want to be sponsored and run by you. And that's it. I don't want the manufacturers. I don't want anything like that. I just want, I I just, I just want to run from you guys. And, and that's a better gauge to me on how I'm doing. And like I said, whether you support me monetarily or just emails and, and messages saying, you know, thanks for what you do. I appreciate that. And we do. And it's what keeps us going. So, um, wow. Didn't expect to unload that today. Ah, all right. <laughs> all right. We got a uh, next email here. This is from Jonathan as well. Another one from Jonathan. And this was, he says, Hey, DJ had some good home theater experiences last weekend. So wanted to share. It says, uh, first one, Dunkirk 4k Blu-ray. First time I have seen this movie. Amazing. This is as good a home theater experience as I have ever had. The picture was amazing and the soundtrack incredible despite no Atmos. <laughs> when the gun started firing in the first scene, I almost jumped out of my seat. Amazing deep bass on the bombs dropping. This type of film is the exact reason to build a home theater. I was blown away by the experiences. Maybe my new reference disc to show off the room. The IMAX scenes were insane on my 110-inch screen. Number two, Jackie Brown, streaming, I think, on Netflix. I had not seen this film since the cinema in 1997. I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't remember much about it. The home theater experience was okay. Good colors and bright, but somewhat grainy. Nothing special. Number three, Game of Thrones. I purchased the 4K box set to rewatch the series. I started in season four, have seen the first three seasons several times, and watched season four and five. Discs were amazing, as everyone says, 4K picture and sound. The problem was at least five different times the disc skipped, paused, or the sound dropped. It was awful. There was a lot of chatter about problems with these discs online. It got too frustrating, so I'm returning the set, and we'll just watch the rest streaming on Max. Disappointing. No point doing an exchange because I am not going to, I'm not going back to rewatch 50 episodes to check the discs. Horrendous job by quality control on whatever publishing, uh, published this set on whoever published this set, Jonathan. And, uh, we'll get to the last one there first, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, that's another, uh, there's a, huge commercial right there for streaming. <laughs> so for people like, uh, you know, you know, you own your, you own those. Yeah, you own them, but what if they're crap? Kind of like laser discs are. 
Uh, Jackie Brown, love that movie as well. Uh, I think I own multiple copies of that. I don't own it on Kaleidoscape yet. Um, but yes, love that movie. Also saw that in the theater. And Dunkirk, absolutely. It's, it is a reference disc. It's a reference sound. It's a perfect example on, um, why you don't need object based sound. Uh, standard, you know, DTS HD master or master, master audio is fine. Dolby HD is fine. It, they, they both give you the same frequencies and can give you the same dynamics. And, uh, Dunkirk is, First and foremost, probably one of the most evident discs of this, uh, that opening scene you're talking about, the guns firing, that's the definition of dynamic. I haven't seen this scene in a, in a little bit, but it's quiet. Then the guns go off. That's dynamic, right? It's like if guns go off and there's explosions going around too, you don't get as big of a punch as you do when those guns go off at the beginning of Dunkirk. It's insane. It's so deep, so poignant, just like you can feel it, so visceral. It's awesome. Uh, absolutely um, an, a reference disc. And there's a reason I've never, ever talked about that one on this show. Um, maybe I'll talk, I'll talk about it now. Uh, when I started this podcast, uh, I said I'd save this show for a buddy of mine who's in, po- he was in podcasting at the time, sat down with him. Uh, about the idea of running a home theater podcast. And I had booked him. I said, we'll do Dunkirk together because he was big into movies, but he didn't have a home theater. He just loved movies. And I, he's like, I, he didn't get the, um, the big idea. He's like, what's the big idea? Who cares? What do you need a theater for? I was like, I'm telling you, come over, see Dunkirk and we'll do that show. And he's like, okay. And then I started my show, pandemic hits, literally he had little kids. He had, uh, I, I believe one of his little kids was immunocompromised or something. So it was like an issue that we couldn't even get together. So that kind of went by the wayside and it's been years. So, but I still hold that one off just in case. Um, but, and, oh, and his other advice was he did and he didn't mean this mean, he was just trying to be realistic for me. Hmm. I don't see your whole a home theater podcast lasting very long. He's like, what are you going to, you're going to run out of things to talk about. <laughs> so love it. That's, but again, you know, Marcus, thank you very much because anytime somebody tells me I can't do something, hold my beer. So, or it can't be done. Hold my beer. All right. Uh, all right. Let's, um, next one here. Um, Email from Giordi. I left this on, uh, I left this. I read this on our pod, on our podcast during the month as well, but I'll read the whole email now. It's a lengthy email. Um, he says, hi, DJ, John and Steve, longtime listener, first time commenter here. I love your show and well done getting it off the ground and continuing, continually improving so much that you're now the most popular being in the top three. That's a huge effort and major achievement for sure. I've been enjoying home theater for over 30 years and got my first projector 30 years ago, a used 60 kilogram, 140 pound Sony CRT and have had many others. Before that, I had a 33 inch TV that cost $3,000 and a four channel surround sound Yamaha receiver. 
I've had many projectors and screens since, but only four or five receivers in all that time. My current front left and right Mission 751 speakers are 25 years old, as is one of my two subwoofers, a Boston 12-inch THX certified passive unit driven by a 300-watt RMS MOSFET subwoofer amp I built from a kit of parts and designed by Australia's favorite of two LOL electronic magazines. By back then, the THX certification meant that the sub would go to a genuine 20 hertz at 3 dB down. I have that at the front of my room and only added an SVS SB1000 to the back of the room a couple of years ago. I'm not writing to tell you about me. I just want to give you a bit of feedback on something besides all your great work. Spoilers. In my opinion, you guys have dropped quite a few, albeit mostly in the distant past. I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm sure not intentionally, but I know it's difficult to discuss movies in some depth while trying to dance around potential spoilers. I know you give alerts sometimes and that's much much appreciated and fair enough to go ahead with spoilers after other times you have said no spoilers but and then go on to give what i would consider spoilers having said that it happens a lot less these days and i feel you really have improved a lot when it comes to spoilers i'm only mentioning it now because i was listening to the top 10 list for 2023 and a clanger spoiler was dropped on a movie i put on my watch list based on you guys rating it so highly the mist it was enough to motivate me to say hi and also explain my view on what can be a spoiler that might not be obvious to the spoiler dropper maybe i'm picky but to me, it's not just a spoiler when it slips that this event happens. To me, it also a spoiler just to know something happens, even if what happens is not mentioned. For example, someone might innocently say, the twist is brilliant, thinking that, okay, because they didn't spoil what the twist is. But to me, the fact that I'm now aware of twist at all robs me of the surprise moment when that, when what should have been an unexpected twist occurs. All the way up to the twist, I've known everything is not what it seems, which is the opposite of what I'm supposed to be experiencing as the movie progresses. And while waiting for it, maybe I've been distracted from other subtleties in the movie because I'm looking for clues or trying to anticipate the twist and or what it might be about, etc. There are other ex examples, but I'll keep it short-ish <laughs> just by citing the one that was dropped in the top 10 podcast, which was about the mist motivated to send me, motivated to send this email, motivated me to send this email, sorry paraphrasing it does not have a hollywood ending it has a stephen king ending be prepared i don't want to be prepared lol to me that robs me of the thought process anticipation of where is this going how is this going to end will it be a viewer satisfaction ending or the non-gratuitous ending or something else again endings can can obviously be a huge part of a movie experience and usually are when they are not typical one uh, not a typical one, which I know is the case for The Mist. 
I hope I didn't sound too critical because I'm not wanting to be. Spoilers are far less frequent than they used to be. And I just want to explain that some spoilers may not be obvious as being spoilers. I'm a big fan of your work. Kind regards from Down Under. And then he puts in parentheses, uh, <laughs> Australia. I, I got the reference. Uh, Jordy, Jordy. Uh, yes, Jordy. Um, <clears throat> so as uh, you know, not to rehash the whole thing, but we did go over this on the show and we do make a conscious effort and we have made a conscious effort since then to, to not so much as in, you know, put out warnings or, or have spoilers and stuff. But here's where I will also defend John, Steve and myself to anybody. We, we've had other people mention spoilers and stuff too. Um, especially like some movies, if they're like years old or even earlier in the year, or it's been out a while. Um, and this is one of those, this is a, a slight rant because it's like, if you cared so much about spoilers, then go see the movie when it came out. Um, I've had this rant with people that like when it comes out on Blu-ray and they're like, I've been really waiting to see this movie and you just ruined it for me and Steve had this with one. And it was like, so you've been waiting. That's on you, pal. You, you know, and I'm not saying this to you, Jordy. I'm saying, but anybody with spoilers, when you're listening to a podcast that's about sounds and scenes and sights and would, would doing this, it's very difficult to, to talk without, you know, completely as, as good as you can do without spoilers. Um, of any kind, you know, like to eliminate all, like some, like, oh, like I say all the time, like, you know, all right, all right everybody, it's a space movie. There's going to be explosions and there's this really good one you're going to like. So like we do stuff like that. But at the same time, if something does slip out or something like that, we don't mean it maliciously. And two, take some personal responsibility. The reason you're hearing about, and this, you know, and Jordy, I'm not picking on you, but The Mist. The reason you're hearing about The Mist and the reason you want to see it, a movie's, I think that was from 2014 or 2016. It's like over five years old. You're hearing about us and maybe it got spoiled a little bit, but now you're going to get to experience it. Whereas without the spoiler, you hadn't watched it. (laughs) You didn't care about it. So there's a give and take there. So would you prefer that we just don't say anything and we don't get excited and we don't do this? And again, I'm not speaking to you directly, Jordy. I'm speaking to everybody on anybody with spoilers. It's like stuff happens and we do our best to not spoil things. But at the same time, take some personal responsibility. Get out there and see these movies. If you really, really care about the spoilers, it's kind of on you. Because you, you know, like, that's why I like to go to the midnight showings or the earliest showings of these movies, because I don't want things to get spoiled. If I haven't seen a movie and like John will tell me about something and ask John this, he knows, and Steve and any of my other friends, I'll be like, guys, you know, I'll be like, oh, tell me about it. And be like, oh, I don't want to spoil it. I'm like, I don't care about spoilers. I, I pretty much know these movies anyways. It's very hard to trick you and it's like i don't i'm not into these movies for that big twist or that big spoil i i like to see how they did it you could tell me what the spoiler is and i'm just as enthused by the time i get to the end because i like how they did it 
right? I like how they manipulated you all the way through. If I really, really did care about the spoiler, I would have already seen the movie. You wouldn't have had a chance to spoil it for me. So that's why I say a lot of times it's on you. Uh, Not even a lot of times, 99% of the time it's on you. Unless the movie hasn't come out and some guy comes up to you on the street and goes, hey, did you see the end of, you know, you know, the black dog? That was awesome. And I couldn't believe the whole time everybody was dead. Wait, what? I haven't even heard of that movie. What are you talking about? That's nothing you can do to avoid that. But a movie that's over five years old or five months old or whatever, and you really cared about it. Maybe you should have seen it before you started listening to or reading stuff about it. So there's a little pushback there, but I think you guys see what I mean. All right. Um, let's see what's next. Who do we have up here? Uh, let's, uh, oh, here we go. My buddy Gorinda. <laughs> I had to read this one. He's like, hi, DJ. Don't listen to John. Star Wars is the first movie of the series. It's like saying House of Dragons season one is the first season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Thanks, Corinda. I love it. That's awesome. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, and that's in reference to the opening of our show and the, ta- the countdown we have on the live show. And it counts down movie posters from 10 to 1 in every movie for people that don't watch on YouTube. So um, 10, 9, 8, and it's like um, 9, my, you know, I can't remember nine, nine, mine, mine, nine is the, uh, is nine, right? Uh, Terminator two is two, but then when you get to the, so they all have it in the title. I think John wick four is, or yeah, four, I think is the four comes up. Um, what did I have for three? I forget what three was off the top of my head, but anyways, then Terminator two is the two. So it goes, you know, 10 to one. And then the final one, there's no number. All I do is show the star Wars, the original movie poster. And John just mentioned it. He goes, ah, John being Mr. Stickler. And I love it when he does it. He gets all like, uh, you know, that's not the first one. Uh, actually, yeah, it was, John. And I love that you brought it up because I was waiting for somebody to step in it like that. Because <laughs> it literally was the first movie. When it came out, it was called Star Wars. It was no A New Hope. And then later you said, oh, that's in chapter four. Oh, okay. So it isn't the fourth movie. It's the first movie. It just has a four in the title now. So uh, but yes, thanks, Corinder. Thanks for coming to my defense. And if, and again, this is how you could support the show without, you know, money, you know, money, which again, John hates this part when I say, ah, why do we want the money? Um, if Corinder doesn't send that email, I don't get to talk about that. I'm not just going to come on here and go, guess what John said this month? So. <clears throat> All right. We've been going here for a little bit. We have an email, a long email from John. And I really couldn't wait to read this one to you guys. Um, So he says, first things first, thank you. I started writing this in my head around the time the first Takeover Tuesday you did on your own, DJ. I realized that you had reawakened my love of home cinema, or should I say theater. My Amer- 
My American bought Pioneer Elite receiver sat in the corner for the longest time until I started listening to the HT guys and then Brightside with you and the boys. You had replaced the audio magazine. You had replaced the audio magazines I would buy from the UK and the ones I would vacuum up on occasional visits to Florida. Still not sure what a Lutron does. Bit by bit, I rediscovered the settings on my receiver. Or, I, yeah, I rediscovered the settings on my receiver, got a second subwoofer, started buying 4K discs. And this was before the 4K player arrived. I won't even mention the fun times with eARC. But then you said it for me. It's not the achievement or of perfection that's important. It's the fun on the way. While bringing an even older receiver out for repair, a friend asked, what's in the back, uh, in the back of your car? I told him what it was. I never realized how fun and sexy the inputs and outputs of a Yamaha could be. The possibilities. He probably thought I was mad. Now the pod on Fridays kicks off the weekend. Then there's the bonus stuff. You and your dad looking forward to the last Boy Scout in your new room when I thought to myself and herself were the ones, were the only ones watching it religiously once a year. <laughs> Steve watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at Christmas just like we do. His wonderful enthusiasm always reminds me of the best moments in cinema. As soon as he's done, I want more. And just when I think everyone has forgotten the long kiss goodnight, boom, you mention it. However, it's John and his no-frills honesty who has made me laugh out loud more than once. And he runs a comic store, too. Talk about living your best life. He must have loved true romance. He does. <laughs> I think at this point I should mention I've slept with you guys on many occasions. I like to re-listen to the pod when I can't sleep. Oh, and big shout out to Chris Deering, who I've slept with many times. Great stuff. <sighs> okay. P.S. I've just listened to the pod with Eddie Troches. I can't believe you talked about Lutron. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier in, in the email, but hadn't heard anything about it for years. P.P.S. JFK, are you kidding me? Just listen to the latest pod. Where else would you hear talk about such a classic? What a, what a lovely surprise. I don't read the running order in advance as like, as like that, uh, uh, Jordy in Alaska, in Alaska, yeah, Australia. I don't like any kind of spoilers. <laughs> Which I've just realized brings me to the reason I wanted to get in touch so long ago, but almost forgot to mention. You must have talked about favorite sounds in movies back in an old podcast. So here's five that come to mind. One, the TIE Fighters, particularly the escape battle from the original Star Wars. Two, the tones from Close Encounters. Enough said. Three, the sounds Indy's fist makes when he punches someone. It's quite unique. Four, the sound of the older Terminators in Terminator Salvation movie. Yes, I'm the one that loves that film. Five, of course, the T-Rex from the original Jurassic Park, which I saw in an Irish cinema with some new, new audio presentation called the DTS Experience. Awesome. 
Happy days. I've already, ta- I've already taken too much time, DJ. Hope you find time to read this. It's taken me a month. It's taken me months to find time to write it. No need to reply, fella. Hi to the gang. So, um, John, thank you so much again. Another way to support the podcast. This is great. Um, it was funny, uh, when I read that, when I read this email and I saw you mentioned Lutron at the beginning, I was like, Oh, he's going to like that email. He's going to like the, uh, Eddie Trochez episode. And, and of course, then you mentioned it in there. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I really appreciate it. And hearing that you heard of us through the HT guys, that's great. Um, it's, I love what they've done for us, uh, expanded our audience, help us grow. Um, and we've actually gotten to the point now where HT people, we are sending people to the HT guys, which I think is fantastic. Um, ours like, oh yeah, somebody came on, you know, somebody will go there and be like, heard about you from Brightside. And it's like, seriously, how backwards is that? But it is, I mean, there are people just getting into home theater or getting back in for the first time. And, and that's great. And, you know, it's some people, it might not even be home. It might be podcasting. I've been into home theater for a very long time. I only, I didn't pick up, I didn't even know what podcasting was when, you know, R and Braden started and it was, you know, probably shortly after, uh, AV rent when shortly after, um, yeah, might've been, I don't know. They've been doing it a long time too. Not, you know, um, AV rent, um, Tom and Rob, I don't, I've, I've only listened to Rob. I came on probably right after he started there. Cause I remember him mentioning that he wasn't around very long and stuff early on, but I wasn't, I didn't do much with podcasting. I didn't know what podcasting was. So there are people that are just coming in new to podcasting that may have been into home theater for a while. So they hear about us and, and then we'll send them to, you know, EV rant or people come into us from YouTube that didn't know anything about podcasting and we'll send them to AV rant or to HT guys or any, you know, any of that stuff. So, um, but yeah. Um, glad you're on board, John. Really appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. And this is, um, now let's go. I have a comment here on YouTube that I thought was really good. It's a critique and, um, I thought it would be a good way to, to transition here. So this comes from Jared, uh, McComb, uh, and he's commenting on a live stream of show 348. And he says, love the show, but I'm not sure I can get on board with that idea that a good home theater experience is limited to movies that offer great surround sound, big bass, or fancy visuals. I love those things, but there is so much more that takes, that makes a home theater experience for me. For example, I despise Transformers Rise of the Beasts, even though it had all of that. But the acting story and pacing ruined my experience in my home theater. The Godfather, on the other hand, is an amazing experience in my home theater, even without the bells and whistles. Appreciate the show and realize we all have home theaters for our own personal enjoyment, and that can look very different from one person to another. And I, I replied to him, I'm like, absolutely 100% correct. Everyone has their own likes and dislikes. I think as a home theater enthusiast, you can get on board with the, 
with why people like Transformers over Godfather, just as we understand why people like the Godfather over Transformers. That's what we have kind of leaned toward. That's why we have kind of leaned towards that comparison, albeit tongue in cheek. It's a great example of the diversity within home theater. There's no right or wrong to what someone enjoys. Just enjoy the experience because that's what it's all about. Thanks for the input, Jared. And then Jared replied, uh, thanks. He says, thanks. I hope my comment didn't come across as negative. Mostly wanted to share my own experience. Always need to keep things on the bright side. And yes, um, I replied to him saying, I, DJ, never take anything as negative. Ask John and Steve. I always default to the positive. And, and I do, um, a lot. I always default to the positive. So even when somebody criticizes or says something like this, it's like, I will, like, I don't take it bad. You can critique me all you want. If you keep critiquing me, and like, so say you are sending me negative stuff and you really don't like me or the show and you keep sending me that information, I will keep replying to you because I am reading it as a positive critique. Eventually I would get to the point where I would go, well, maybe this isn't the show for you. Um, I don't know why you would, you know what? I would end up saying, oh, okay, I, maybe this isn't the show for you. I don't know why you keep emailing me because we really can't change too much of the show, right? So it, it, I always take it in the positive. Um, and like I said, ask John and Steve because we've seen replies from people and Steve has literally asked me like, what the heck is this? And then I'll give him the positive perspective and he'll go, oh, I read that a different way. And it, so like, and I do that in real life. I, at my old job, my boss used to call me in the owner of the company. Bad stuff would be happening and, or something going wrong. And he'd be like, I need a positive perspective of this. What's going on here? And I would, and he's like, I, he would, I would just be like, well, here's what they're thinking. You're, you've got some employees here that are blah, 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 blah. And they're not, this is what they're thinking. They're not mad. They just, but why are they acting this way? Well, this is why. And then I would just offer an opinion, a brighter, a brighter side opinion of a, a negative situation. And he would be like, that's why I bring you in. <laughs> but I've had many people tell me my opinion's not valid because I only see the positive side. And that's not true either because I do see the negative sides. I just don't, I choose not to talk about them. And if you're going to spend the time to email me and critique me over and over, you're probably going to get sick of my replies before you get sick before, you know, if you're really trying to be a jerk, you're probably going to get sick of me before I'm sick of you. Because I, I mean, I take all the criticism. It doesn't mean I'll do it, but I'll listen and I'll give you an explanation on why we don't do whatever I'm trying to say we don't do. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, oh, uh, Jonah Fish. Here's a, here's a contradiction to what I think. Uh, I'm definitely, Jonah Fish says, uh, live show of show 350. I'm definitely in the killers of the flower moon is brilliant camp. Saw it in IMAX and, and hooked me moment one. Yes, it did feel long sitting with previews, almost four hours in the theater, but this felt like a Scorsese's most, felt like Scorsese's most violent and brutal movie and is an important telling of an underreported dark side of American history. I read the book after the movie and it goes more in depth on the Osage story and 
offers more context and details around the events of the film and also more of a look into the FBI side of the investigation. And uh, then Basil Parker says, completely agree, he replied on on there. So I, I actually, I do, and I, I think I said on the show too, I do agree that I like that it brings light to this situation that most of us never knew happened in this particular situation. Um, we all know that at certain times the, you know, Native Americans weren't treated well. And I mean, we were at war with them when we first got here where they were at war with each other. There were, there's wars happening, but then there were good relationships we had with them. And then they were bad. Um, this one points out one of the bad ones and actually puts a, you know, a mark of history into it. But as far as going into my theater and I just, I felt like, I don't know. I, it's, I, I get what you're saying, Jonah. Um, I just, I feel like, as I said in the show, it's hard to say that it's in, it is a better way to be entertaining because I don't find Shin, I wouldn't call Schindler's list entertaining, but it still told that piece of the story. But at the same time, it told the story and believe it or not, that's a, literally is like Steven Spielberg is telling a horrific story during the Holocaust, but it's actually a bright side story. And that to me is like, I think human, and that's why I look at movies like the bright side in the bright side of things, because in like I did with Oppenheimer and I can do with Schindler's list. And it's like Oscar Schindler is the bright side. Think of the generations that he helped and that story needed to be told. To me, the way that they made Killers of the Flower Moon, it was solely to point at the negativity that happened, the negative action of what they did. And it didn't show how, like, in in my opinion, what I think would have been a better movie was to show and highlight the people that stopped it. Instead, the movie itself, all it did was, it, it, it was an entire movie to show the horror and how bad these people were. And little was dedicated to the people that put a stop to it and how it ended up getting stopped. And it, so it was really a story of just horror. So it, it'd be like if they wrote Schindler's List and it was like, oh, look at, we're going to show you a Holocaust movie and all of these people are dying. And then at the end, oh, by the way, this, you see these people in the background, this is the guy that helped them get out. It's like, what? It, it, you know, so it's like, to me, it's like, that's a more uh, uplifting story because that even during the worst of the worst times in history, meaning the Holocaust, there were people that knew this isn't right. And I've got to, I've got to do whatever I can do for it. And the most poignant part of Schindler's list is at the very end. And he's looking, Oscar Schindler's looking at like his jewelry, his watch. And it's like this, I could have saved even more. I, I could have done more. Why didn't I do more? That, that is a positive. That's like, oh my God, if everybody thought like Oscar, Oscar Schindler, we don't have a Holocaust. It gets stopped like that. <laughs> so let's point to the positivity. We don't know how, like, how did the, how did the FBI get alerted to this? It wasn't really fleshed out how everybody found out. It was just like, oh, okay. They just happened upon it. 
Something must have happened. Where in that story was it? I don't need a movie to tell me bad things happened between the Americans and the American, you know, the Native Americans. I don't, or, or the citizens or the whatever, because some of us weren't Americans yet. We were British at the beginning. And it's like, so we don't need, I don't need a story to hear about the horrible parts of the, you know, uh, of American history. Tell me, like, even Saving Private Ryan. It's a, you know, they took a horrible event and they, they've told a positive story around it. Might not even have been an actual true story, but what they did is within that story, that did happen somewhere if it wasn't that actual story, but they did have to find people. So they told a positive story that at the end, you're like, ah, you know, so you, you see what I mean? And that's that for me, whereas Killers of the Flower Moon, it was more of a just like a hit piece. And like, I've seen multiple people say, oh, you know, white man bad, or this is what happened. And I, I would have said, yeah, but the, I even said, and one person in our comments that mentioned it, that, and I was like, yeah, but they're the ones that also stopped it. And it's like, yes, white man is bad at times, but they're also good. It's like, we're all bad. We're all good. What's going on here? So that to me and to boot, the movie was really long and drawn out and it, all that time spent and they did very little to show how it was stopped and show why it's like all they wanted you to see is how bad it was. I know that. I know that stuff's bad. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, what do we got next? Hmm. Do we have, uh, Jordan Carpenter on YouTube, such an incredible, talking about the Marvels, such an incredibly fun and entertaining film. This was the only film in 2023 that I watched three times at my local cinema. First time was on X plus, second time was in 3D, and the third time was in regular 2D. Absolutely cannot wait to grab the 4K disc. Yes, it is really good. Uh, the 4K disc is, uh, I saw it in 3D in the theaters and I thought that enhanced the experience seeing it in 3D. Um, the 4K on this is really good. Um, and the, the Atmos is really, really good too. This is, this is going to be one. If it wasn't so early in the year, I bet you this would probably make the top 10. It, like if this dropped in December of the year, it would have dropped, you know, it would, probably make the top 10, but I have a feeling this isn't going to make the top 10 just because it's so later in the year. Um, uh, oh, uh, Glenn Matthews 678 says from uh, commenting from the Marvels says, hi guys, just a quick question. My cinema is almost complete and I have my Kaleidoscape access, but now the films seem a bit limited in the UK. This is there are, there is loads of titles not available, which is surprising. Is it just UK that gets less options? It's a little dis disappointing. I was hoping to go fully into the Kaleidoscape ecosystem, but seems I will have to continue to buy physical media and store and rip. And I replied, yes, as is, as with all forms of media content, there is no one stop solution. As I said in my first video, when I got my Kaleidoscape, if you are a person that wants access to all of the best possible quality, you should consider a Kaleidoscape. Most of the time, the best possible quality is on both disc and Kaleidoscape, but sometimes the best possible quality is only on disc and sometimes it's only on Kaleidoscape. If you have both, you'll be all set. 
And then he replies, so does that mean I should look or look at a NAS and a player, ZDU 5000? And um, I actually, I didn't reply to that, so I'm doing it right now. Um, yeah, I would, I am looking at it getting, I wasn't going to, but my collection of movies is getting like over 10 that I have on disc that I don't have on Kaleidoscape. So I want a, uh, I want to be able to store those so I don't have to get up and put the disc in if I want to see Oppenheimer, right? Oppenheimer is one that I prefer the variable aspect ratios that's only available on the disc. So I will do that. Um, I have very few movies. Um, what's a recent one? JFK is the recent JFK in 4K. Uh, isn't available in 4K and there is a noticeable difference. Um, oh, here's an interesting tangent. I'll get to that in a second about JFK. Um, but yes, as an answer to, uh, Glenn Matthews here. Um, yes, you're going, if you want to have the best possible, it, the option of the best possible experience, you're going to want a, a, a Blu-ray player or, or, uh, some kind of, you know, NAS or something because not everything is available on Kaleidoscape either in the UK or the United States or Canada or I don't know what their regions are like. Um, I've heard, I, I can't compare because I've heard in the UK they have similar stuff to us, but maybe there's a few different over there just like you get discs or the UK gets discs we don't get. I don't know, but I would imagine it's probably similar, but either way, you, you're never like, if you just said, I'm just going all discs, then you'll be missing out because there's stuff on Kaleidoscape in 4k that you can't get anywhere else in 4k with Atmos. But then if you said, I'm just going Kaleidoscape, well, then there's stuff on disc that you can't get in, in Atmos on Kaleidoscape, right? Or vice versa. Um, like I was saying, so. You need to have both. You always need to have both, I would say. Um, just like you need to have streaming because there's so much content that's only streaming. So you you got to have all three if you want the best possible uh, experience or access to the best possible experience. Um, going back to, yeah, the, the JFK, which I would want on, I'd, I'd want to put that onto my NAS so that I can experience the 4K version of that. I've seen a lot of chatter on uh, social media about the vast difference. And I've talked to John and Steve privately about them and showed some screenshots that I took. And it's not that vast of a difference. It's a difference. And it's, it's one of the few that a 4K actually had a big difference over my Kaleidoscape HD version. Um, where it had a, a, a good enough difference that I would be like, all right, it's worth me getting up to put the disc in on this. Um, most of the time, even the difference between HD and 4K, when I see the HD on Kaleidoscape, it's not that big of a difference that I'll be like, all right, I'll sit down and like, I'll sit down and watch this in, instead of getting up for the 4K version. Um, on these older titles, the JFK one, I think there's a lot of people doing screenshots on, on social media that I'm not sure they're familiar with SD to HDR because they're showing like really, really dark, 
dark SD versions. And then when you go to the, or HDR versions, when you go to the HDR version and you're like, oh my God, it's just, it, it's like, it's so much better. Um, I sent one shot to Steve and I was like, check this out. And it was a, a screen grab of, of JFK. And my overall picture was brighter on my, on the HD version. But then when you looked at the HDR version, it was more, it was more vibrant and the overall picture wasn't as bright, but the brighter scenes were more defined. So, and that's what HDR does. And you can actually see the gradation step in the picture. Um, I think a lot of people are doing their ABs, but they're not switching to back to, you know, standard dynamic range. So their HDR, they're showing it in HDR. And then the, the SDR version is being played through their HDR. And then if you don't have the proper input on the proper content for that, it's going to all appear darker. So it's, and, and then I can hear the people already. Well, you, DJ, you have Illumigen in line. That's going to make it HDR. No, it, it, Illumigen won't make it HDR. It can't make it do something that's not already there. It's going to take that same image and it, it's all it's going to do is take that S, uh, that standard dynamic range, Im, range image and process it properly so that you see that, that, the proper gradation and it won't make the overall image darker. And if, if that's what the overall image is, then that's, then that's fine. But it is, people are calling it like color timing. They're saying it's, and it, it is wrong. It's just beware of that because if you have a properly calibrated system and you know, like the difference between SDR input, you know, standard dynamic range. Yeah, SDR, standard dynamic range versus HDR. Um, if you know the difference between the two, it wouldn't be that big of a jump. It Because some of these images that I've seen online is people are putting stuff out that you'd be like, if that's what it looked, if that's what the Blu-ray looked like, it looks unwatchable. You wouldn't be able to see a thing. And then I watch it in 4K and I'm like, I'm going back and forth going, I don't, I don't see that big of a difference here. Um, and there is a difference. Don't get me wrong. And it's like, it's a, it's a notable upgrade in brightness and vibrancy because the colors are coming through a little bit bright. You know, the vibrancy is better. The colors are coming through nicer, but it doesn't take an overall dark image and then just like put light onto it. That's, that's, that to me is your, your calibration on how you're running your AB system. So just beware of that. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but, uh, just to be aware of that stuff. So, um, all right. Let me see. Is there anything else in here? Uh, talking about JFK, Terry Noonan, 6616 says, great choice, Steve. A great listen that makes the pod the best to listen to. However, having seen the movie many, many times, I would have preferred the original footage of Oswald rather than Gary Oldman's excellent performance, especially the news footage of the time. But again, wonderful to listen to a classic on the pod. Um, and Terry, what I would say is, but you just said Gary Oldman's performance was excellent. So yeah, they could have inserted that footage, 
and use the real footage, but then you, we miss out on Gary Oldman's performance. So, um, and there's plenty of places to see that stuff, but, but yeah, love that movie. Uh, let's see. Is that about it? I think that's about it. Uh, oh, Jonah Fish. I've seen Armageddon show up on DJ's Kaleidoscape screen for quite a few episodes. How is the quality on this, DJ? I haven't picked up the Blu-ray yet, but have been itching to rewatch it. Stay tuned for today's show. <laughs> uh, Jonah, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, you're the reason I watched it. I read this and I was literally, I saw this on the YouTube. I was in my theater and I was like, pulled it right up on the Kaleidoscape and watched it so that I'd be able to comment it on it in this week's show. So good call, buddy. See, that's how you support a show, everybody. Um, oh man. Oh, I just realized StreamYard stopped recording for some reason. Try again. Uh-oh. Good thing I have backups to my backups. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. I just realized StreamYard went down. I'm not even on the internet anymore. Oh, well. So thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. I uh, hope everybody had a great month. Keep the questions and comments coming. Um, and uh, I will be back later this afternoon with John and Steve. I uh, can't wait to hang out. Talk home theater. Got some fun movies this week. Some fun experiences. So, um, until the next time, everybody. Uh, oh yeah. Also, email me if you'd like to be on the show and do a takeover Tuesday. I'm booking out a few weeks here, uh, so we can we'll set up a time for you to be on the show, and uh, we'll have a we'll have fun. We'll just sit and chat home theater. Uh, whether you've been on the show before or you've never been on the show and like to try and be on the, or like to be on the show, uh, let me know and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get it all set up. It's, it's easy. It's fun to do. And, uh, and look forward to every time I sit down with people. So, all right. That'll do it for this week's show. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Uh, you know what you gotta do. Go push play. What he said. This has been a Hey Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.